0: Awesome. Awesome faith story. God is so good. Father, we come and we sow into your kingdom today because we love you, love your kingdom, and are thankful for all that you've done in our lives for redeeming us. We thank you that as we give, you said you'd open the windows of heaven and pour us out a blessing in Jesus' name. (laughs) Хе-хе-хе-хе-хе-хе-хе...! (coughs) У Macron Manager По Сław câmera Пора По На Стопом Лührу По爸ам По Ву schlimm показу open 規rey (laughs) Ha, (laughs) Ha, 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 Am I up after this? Oh, that's right. That's right. Thank you. I need help. You know it. I need help. Okay. Hang on a second. All right. Happy Mother's Day. See, next weekend, next Sunday, 9.30, we're going to have a special service for high schoolers and graduates in the zone. Now, they're going to have their own service, including breakfast, by the way, Right. Um, We're going to honor those that are graduating from high school. We're going to be hearing from, praying for, and commissioning the graduating class. So if you're in high school, and especially if you're graduating, next weekend, back in the zone, 9.30, a special service for you. And today, of course, is Mother's Day. And most of you know that when my mother was alive, she threatened to kill me if I didn't preach a Mother's Day message on Mother's Day. So, uh, uh, but, but she is in heaven now. But I'm still going to give you your last Mother's Day sermon, all right? Uh, I've entitled this "Remember Lot's granddaughter." Now, Jesus, in Luke 17, he said, "Remember what happened to Lot's wife. Whoever clings to your life will lose it. Whoever lets go of their life will save it. And it is actually a command from Jesus to remember... What happened to Lot's wife? And so we're going to start there in a few moments. But where we want to go is we want to go 14 generations later to Lot's great, great, great granddaughter by the name of Ruth. All right. So the story starts in Genesis chapter 12. And by the way, Genesis 12 verses 1, 2, 3 are the most important three verses in the entire Old Testament. In fact, to understand the Bible and God's end time plan, you have to understand Genesis 12, one, two, three. And we're just gonna take a look at verse one, which says, now the Lord had said to Abram, get out of your country from your family, from your father's house to a land that I will show you. Now, God said, leave your father's house, leave your family. And he left to go to the land that God was gonna show him But he took along his father, and he took along his nephew. Now, his brother had died and left a son named Lot, and he brought him along, along with his father. Now, the result of his father being along was a 10-year detour in a place called Terah. He stayed there for 10 years. When his father died, he moved on. But he still had Lot with him. Now, God begins to bless Abraham, and I mean he's blessing him big. And Lot is with Abraham, and proximity produces opportunity. It always does. Proximity produces opportunity, whether for good or for bad. You've heard me say it before, wrong voices bring wrong choices. You, You keep hearing the wrong voices, eventually you're going to be making wrong choices. Well, in this case, that proximity brought blessing. God is blessing Abraham, Lot's there, he gets blessed. Both of them have so many flocks and herds. The Bible says the land wasn't able to support them that they might dwell together. Their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. And there was strife between the herdmen of Abraham's livestock and the herdmen of Lot's livestock. The Canaanites and the Perizzites dwelt in the land. So Abraham said to Lot, please let there be no strife between you and me between my herdsman and your husband, for we're brethren. Here's what Abraham's doing. First of all, he's putting family first. How many of you know that any family can have a squabble or two? Right? There, 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 can be some, there can be some disagreements that go on. There can be some hard feelings. But what you always need is you need a peacemaker. And Abraham takes that position and he steps up. And let me say this, the greater always is the one who initiates peace and moves away from strife. You say, how do you know that? Simply by the fact that they move away from strife, they are the greater. It makes you great, moving away from strife. Right? So the Bible says to us as believers, it says the servant of the Lord must not strive. I know there's people on my staff that think that's my favorite verse because I keep telling them. You mustn't strive. You can't get upset. You can't get in the flesh. In fact, the book of James says that man's anger never brings God's righteous purpose. In other words, when you get in the flesh, you let strife in, you are guaranteed to not have the will of God. Guaranteed. So Abraham says, look, let's not have this. And he gets with Lot, who's really just being blessed because he's with Abraham. And he says, look, you go to the right, I'll go to the left. You go here to the south. I'll go to the north. You you decide where you want to go, and I'll go in the opposite direction. Let's just not have any strife, right? Now, Lot makes a choice here, and, and I want you to hear me. It's the worst choice of his life, right? The choice that he's going to make is going to cost him his family. It's going to cost him uh, descendants for 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 time and memorial, and is actually going to put him on the opposite side of God's blessing and plan. But the Bible says that he chose for himself. He looked, and on one side, there were mountains and, and really basically a desert area, and on the other was a beautiful valley. The Bible says it was like the Garden of Eden. But in that valley, there were five cities, two of which were Sodom and Gomorrah. You may have heard of them. right? The Bible says about those, those places that they were exceedingly wicked before the Lord. But he chose that valley. Now, he's choosing it for economic reasons. He's saying, this is the place where things are going to go the best for me economically. He didn't say, what's the will of God? What should I do? He's just simply made a choice based on economics. Now, listen, when you make life choices, you always need to keep eternity in mind. You don't make a life choice based on financial rewards. You make a life choice based on the will of God, based on spiritual things, based on eternity. He didn't do that. And he just looked down and thought, man, that place is great. There's money. There's, a place, there, there's room for prosperity. It, it's green. He chose for himself. And he went down and he got on one end of that valley. And he pitched his tent. And he'd get up in the morning. He'd look out and there was Sodom. In front of him. In fact, the Bible says he went pitching his tent towards Sodom. In other words, he starts out here and he's like, I don't want to get very close because they're going to have an effect on me. They're going to affect my family. But what happens is, you know, it's a long way to do business. So he he gets a little closer. Then he went and got a little closer. Then he compromised a little bit more and he got a little closer. And then he made another compromise and he got a little closer. And he just kept on pitching his tent mile after mile after mile. And finally, we find him living in Sodom, sitting in the gate. Once you hear this, Satan does not have a two week plan to take you out. He's got a 20 year plan. He has a 20 year plan, a 30 year plan. He just wants you to keep on compromising. Just start doing today what you wouldn't have done the day before. How many of you have noticed a change in television in the last 20 years? Like in the last 10 years. But you know what? It didn't happen overnight. It was a long-term plan to affect our culture. That's what the Satan does when it comes to an individual. Just little by little, you go pitch in your tent, compromise, compromise, get comfortable with something you weren't comfortable with before. Now, I think this scripture is is absolute. It's profound. And the Lord said to Abraham, after he had separated from Lot, lift up your eyes now and look to the place where you are, westward, southward, eastward, northward. All the land that you see I will give to you and to your descendants forever. Now, just as a side note, when God said that to Abraham, he was in what we call today the West Bank a place that the Jewish people aren't even allowed to go, been given to the Palestinians. But God said from that place, he said, I'm going to give you this land and everything that you can see. But notice God spoke to him after he had separated from Lot. Right? He wasn't supposed to have Lot along in the beginning. It was, it, it, what he did was, was he, he separated himself from compromise. He separated himself from being out of the will of God, and immediately God speaks to him. All right? Now, I want you to ask yourself this question today. Is there something that's keeping me from the blessing of God? Is there somebody that's keeping me from the blessing of God? Again, you keep hanging around wrong voices, you will ultimately make wrong choices. Right? Abraham separated himself from Lot. Maybe you need to separate yourself from sin. But once you make that separation, God shows up and makes you a promise and God began to bless Abraham in a place where it appeared he could not be blessed. And God just began to pour out that blessing on him. So we find Abraham ultimately, as I said, living in the city of Sodom. It was exceedingly wicked before the Lord. And God sent two angels down to the city and it says they came to Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. And when Lot saw them, he arose to meet them. Now, what we typically think is if we're going to see an angel, he's going to be big, you know, he's going to have some wings, probably have a sword, right? But almost without exception, there's there's some, but when angels appear, they appear in the form of a human. And when you see them, you don't even know. In fact, the New Testament, Hebrews 13, says, don't forget to entertain strangers. For by doing so, some have unknowingly entertained angels. So they don't appear to be an angel, they appear to be a person. And Lot saw them, he rose and met them, he bowed himself with his face towards the ground, and he said, here now, my lords, please turn into your servant's house and spend the night and wash your feet. Then you may arise early and go on your way. But they said, no, we're going to spend the night right here in the middle of the town square. And he prevails against them uh, with them and gets them to come to his house. And they hardly enter the house. The Bible says all the men of the city surround the house. And they demand that lot send them out that, that they can have a sexual relationship with them. As they're about to knock the door down, the Bible says the angels struck the men of the city with blindness. Right? Now, I, I want to just make a little note here, because this is not what I'm preaching on. Right? Christians should not hate anybody. Got that? We do not hate. How many know everybody needs grace and mercy? Everybody needs grace and mercy. However, Standing up for truth and godliness is not hate speech. It's not hate speech. To say something is wrong is not hate speech. The Bible says to speak the truth in love. So if you love but you don't speak the truth, you're not doing it right. right? Love without truth is out of line. Right? We, we need to speak the truth in love. So the angels say to Lot and his family, they say, you need to get out of here because God's going to destroy this city for its wickedness. And ultimately they prevail and they get Lot, his wife, his two daughters to leave. And it came to pass as they brought them outside of the city that they said, escape for your lives and don't look behind you nor stay anywhere in the plain, but escape to the mountains, lest you be destroyed. Now, here's the interesting thing that that, that your your culture can get in your heart. Things can get in your heart that should not get there. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 2, For the world offers only the craving for physical pleasure, the craving for everything we see, and the pride in our achievements and our possessions. These are not from the Father, but are of this world and this world's fading away, along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. Well, that city of Sodom had gotten into Lot's wife's heart. And as they're they're fleeing, the angels had said, don't look back. And she looks back. She'd been warned. God had literally set them free. Listen, when God sets you free, delivers you, and sets you in a new direction, do not look back. Don't look back. The angels had literally delivered them from a city that was going to be destroyed, right? But there there is just danger in looking back. Let me just say this. The worst day you ever have as a believer is going to be better than the best day that you ever had as an unbeliever. When she looked back, the Bible says God struck her and she became a pillar of salt. Now is where this story actually gets ugly. It gets ugly before it gets, gets good. And it's going to get good. They flee and they're living up in a cave. And Lot's two daughters. They get their father drunk. Now, <clears throat> I, I want you to, to hear this. The Bible says this in the New Testament about Lot. It says that righteous Lot was vexed His spirit was vexed as he saw the ungodly conduct that was going on around him. What does the Bible call him? Righteous Lot. He's up in the cave, his daughters get him drunk, they commit incest, and both of the daughters become pregnant by their father. I'm not gonna preach on this, but let me just say something. It is not a sin to have a beer, but it is a sin to get drunk. And even godly people do ungodly things when they get drunk. And beware, 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 beware. All right, just beware. All right. So each of them has a child. One of them, son is named Ammon. The other one, son, is named Moab. Ammon becomes the father of the Ammonites. Moab becomes the father of the Moabites. And by the way, they are Israel's key enemies to this day. To this day. The Moabites, they actually worship an idol, and part of their worship ceremony is they literally sacrifice children to this idol. Ungodly. ungodly. Ezekiel, Moses, Micah, uh, and a number of other prophets, they, they, they prophesy a curse on the Moabites. Right. Now, let me read to you Matthew chapter one, which says that Abraham begot Isaac, Isaac begot Jacob, Jacob begot Judah and his brothers. I mean, the genealogies can get boring, but this is going to get good. All right. Judah begot Perez, Uh, By Tamar, Perez begot Hezron. Hezron begot Ram. Ram begot Abinadab. Abinadab begot Nasham. And Nasham begot Solomon. Solomon begot Boaz by Rahab. And Boaz begot Obed by Ruth, the Moabitess. Obed begot Jesse. And Jesse begot David, the king. Now, it's giving Jesus genealogy. And in Jesus' genealogy is Lot's great, great, 14 great granddaughters is in Jesus' genealogy. Now, this, this Moabite woman has a book of the Bible named after her. Now, that's a big deal. That's a big deal. But you look at her past and you look at her past through sexual immorality there's drunkenness, there's compromise, there's bad choices, there's bad direction, there's curse, there's sin, there's pain, and there's failure. Failure. A descendant of Lot, a descendant of Moab. But you find her right in the middle of Jesus' genealogy, of the story of salvation, the story of redemption, the story of the spotless lamb. A woman who's born in a cursed place. Now, what happened was this. A family from Israel, in a time of famine, they left the city of Bethlehem, which of course means the house of bread, and they moved to Moab, trying to get away from the famine. While they're there, the two sons marry, and first, this woman's husband, Naomi, her husband dies, and then during a 10-year period, her two sons die, and they have no children, And she hears that back in Bethlehem, God is blessing his people and has visited them. And there's abundance of food. So she decides to go back. And she says to her two daughter-in-laws, you just stay here. He said, there's nothing for you back where I'm going. I haven't got anything to give you. I can't help you. I'm just a poor widow with no future. And you just need to stay. One of the daughter-in-laws kisses her and leaves. But the other, Ruth, clings to her. And she tries to talk her into going back and she refuses. This is what Ruth said. Treat me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I'll go. Wherever you lodge, I'll lodge. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Now, when she said that, something took place in the realm of the Spirit. Something supernatural. If we were to look at it today, From the New Testament perspective, we said it's like there's a conversion. She claims the God of Israel is her God. And when she does, her destiny, and not just her destiny, but the destiny of her family changes. She came from an ungodly place with a past in incest and drunkenness and idol worship. She comes from a cursed people where there's pain and sin and abuse. But she suddenly claims the God of Israel, he, he, he is my God. And she continues and she just says, where you die, I'll die. And there I'll be buried. And the Lord, the God of Israel, do so to me and more also if anything but death parts you from me. And they arrive in, in Bethlehem. And Naomi actually says, which, which means, by the way, the favor of God. That's what her name means. She said, don't call me Naomi, favored by God. She says, you need to call me Mara which means bitter because I'm bitter with God because God has dealt such a poor hand to me. My life is over. My life is misery. My life is nothing. But her daughter-in-law stays with her. And her daughter-in-law said to her mother, she said, let me please go into the field and gleam heads of grain after him in whose sight I find favor. Now, Old Testament welfare program worked like this. If you owned a field or an orchard, you could walk through one time to harvest. But anything you missed the first time was left. And the poor of the land could go and pick it up and it was theirs. So she's saying, I'm poor. I'm just going to go and find a field and I'm going to glean. But I do want you to notice what she said. I'm going to glean in the field of someone in whose eyes I find favor." All right, favor. She said she's going to have favor with her boss before she goes to work. I know many of you talk about your boss before you go to work. But not many of you are saying the right thing. You you need to be saying you're going to have favor. You're going to have favor. Remember this. Words unspoken are your hostages. But spoken words, you are their hostage. They're they're a prophetic voice. And she said, I'm going to have favor with the boss of that field. Well, as she's out there gleaming, the owner comes by. By the way, his name is Boaz. He's in the city of Ephrata. And he sees her out there. He says, who is that? And they say, well, that's that's that Moabitess girl who came back with her mother-in-law. And he, he was attracted to her. And he said, hey, go out there and put some handfuls in front of her. On purpose. And let me just say this when you've got favor on your life, things just show up right. You're, there's handfuls on purpose, just start showing up. No reason, it's just, just what happens. Right? Well, it wasn't very long later. Her mother in law said to her, Look, that, that guy, that Boaz, the one that's been making sure you come home with way too much, he's down at the threshing floor. So here's what you do. She says, you go take a bath, take a shower, put on the best perfume, get your best dress, and you go down there and you say, hey, Bubba, I'm available. (laughs) She did and he did. He went the next day to the elders and he said, hey, I'd like to uh, marry that chick over there. And uh, they set it up and they got married. Not long after. They have a son by the name of Obed who has a son named Jesse, who has a son named David. And 28 generations later, Jesus is born from that family. She ends up in Jesus' genealogy. Now, looking back, You have lot, you have sin, you have incest, you have compromise, you've got drunkenness, you've got idolatry, you've got pain and sin and hurt, but all of it changed for Ruth. And all of it can change for you. The day that she said, your God is going to be my God, the day that she accepted the God of Israel and said, I'm going to live for him, everything changed. It doesn't matter how bad your past has been. Your future can be bright. Jesus said the thief, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He said, but I've come that you might have life and that you might have it abundantly. We know that all things work together for the good of those that love God and are called according to his, future, according to his purpose. Your future with Jesus can be bright no matter what your past is. Bad yesterdays, bad choices, do not determine your future. Your future can be great. Behind Ruth is Moab and cursing and paganism and and literally taking your children and sacrificing them. But in front of her is Jesus. You know, you, you can listen to voices that say something like this. You can't be blessed. You can't be used. You can't have an abundant life. You're never going to have peace. You're never going to be loved. You're never going to be great. You're never going to have purpose. But listen, Ruth is preaching to you today. And she's saying to you, your future can be great. Your tomorrow can have purpose. Your best days are ahead of you right? Now, by the way, if you're a believer and you're redeemed and he sets you free and you're forgiven and you know you're loved by God and you know you're experiencing his mercy, how about a shout or a clap or something because you're awful quiet today. Your life can change. Jesus said, remember Lot's wife. Don't let your heart get taken into the world, but I want you to remember Lot's granddaughter. What she's saying to you today is you can be encouraged because God loves you. He wants to bless you. He wants to use you. He wants to give you a future and peace and a purpose, and you can be part of God's purpose in the earth today. Going forward, everything can be different. There is a reason that in your car you have got a little rear view mirror and a big windshield because what's behind you is not near as important as what is in front of you. And what was behind Ruth, it was all bad. But what was in front of her was all good. Your Savior's in front of you. He will turn a curse into a blessing. Your Savior will not just save you, He'll touch your family. But Jesus is saying, what's behind you is not as important as what's in front of you. He said, he's in front of you. He loves you. He'll forgive you. He'll have mercy on you. He'll bless you. When Ruth changed her life, it didn't change her life alone. It changed her family. The Bible says, choose life that you and your descendants may live. Now listen, just a couple weeks ago, we had a testimony and some of you may have forgot or missed it. So I ask him to just play just a little bit of this video testimony for you to take a look at. Oh, They resisted it. I wasn't the same. I threw away everything, I put it everything, and started anew. And within three months' time, everybody in the house was going in and filled with the Holy Spirit the Yes. Ruth brought salvation to her family. See, you can bring it to your family. You can bring blessing and hope and mercy and deliverance and forgiveness. You can be a Ruth in your world today. Now, mothers, don't look back. Look ahead. Remember Lot's great, great, great granddaughter. She's preaching to every mother, to every father, and to every person that's here. Your future does not need to look like your past. Your future can be blessed. Your future can be great. Your future can have purpose. But the way that it happens is you turn your back on your old life. And you say, Jesus, I'm giving you my life. And you're going to help me live that abundant life that you have prepared for me. Would you please bow your heads for just a moment? Jesus said this. He said, come unto me. All you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He didn't say, come if you're perfect. Come if you've got it all together. Come if you're sinless. No, he said, if life is hard, if you're labored, if you're heavy laden, he said, you come to me, I'll give you rest. I'll give you forgiveness. I'll give you salvation. I'll give you deliverance. I'll give you peace. You must I'm just too tired. But he said he'd give you rest. You say, it seems impossible. Yeah, but all things are possible with God. You say, nobody really loves me. And Do you know what he's saying? He's saying, I loved you so much. I went to a cross and died to pay for your sin. You say, I can't go on? He said, my grace, it is sufficient. You say, I'm not able? He said, I will make you able. You say, I can't forgive myself. He said, I forgive you. You say, I can't manage He said, I'll supply for your needs. You say, I'm afraid. He said, I haven't given you a spirit of fear. You say, I'm not smart enough. He says, I'll give you wisdom. You say, I feel alone. He says, I will never leave you, and I will never forsake you. You say, I can't figure it out. He says, I will direct your steps. You say, I'm worried. I'm frustrated. He said, cast your cares upon me, because I care for you. And if you're here today, you're away from God, or you're not right with God, and you need to get right today, I'm going to count to three. And when I say three, would you please lift your hand? We're going to pray together. God's going to meet you right here in this place. He's going to be to you the God who forgives. And you're going to begin to live that abundant life that Jesus has for you, a life of mercy, a life of forgiveness, a life with peace, an abundant life. The first thing that is happening is you raise your hand, as you're saying to God, God, I know that I need a savior and I'm coming to Jesus to be saved and to be forgiven today. One, get ready. As you lift your hand, you're saying, today I'm giving Jesus all of my heart, all of my life. Just like Ruth, he is becoming my God. I'm going to live for him. Two, as you lift your hand, You're saying this to God. You're saying, God, today Jesus is going to come into my heart by faith. He's going to blood wash me from my sin. He's going to make me a new person on the inside. My past is going to be gone. What's behind me will no longer make any difference. What's in front of me is going to be the abundant life that Jesus has for me. I'm going to be blessed. I'm going to be forgiven. I'm going to be right with God. He's going to give me peace. He's going to give me purpose. He's going to give me the abundant life. Three, lift that hand up. Lift it up. Pray with me. I'm not right. I want to get right. I see that hand and 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 that hand hand over here to my right. Thank you. God bless you. Up in the balcony. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Others, include me, Pastor. All right. Would everybody please just take one hand, put it over your heart, and let's pray together with everyone that just lifted their hand, I want you to make these words your own. Just say, oh God, I believe that Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins. I believe he rose again. I give him all of my heart and all of my life. I hold nothing back. I turn my back on my old life. And I'm living for Jesus now every day. I thank you. You've heard my prayer. That I am forgiven. That my past is gone. That I am your child. A part of your family. A part of your kingdom. Today and forever. In Jesus' name. Amen.